Hi, I'm Mark Renner. This is Victory Over Sin. Mark Rennick, this is Victory Over Sin. What we try to do with the first part of this show is to explain to you who we are and what we're attempting to do. Victory Over Sin is actually funded by an advocacy arm of St. Vincent de Paul of Southwest Idaho. And what we attempt to do is to educate you, the listener, about what it's like to be incarcerated, to come out of incarceration, and to blend back into community. We do that in a couple different ways, but certainly one of them is this radio show, which ironically we've been doing for almost six years now. If you go to your local place where you get podcasts like Spotify and uh, Google and Point and all those other things, uh, and you can look up all the archives of all the shows that we have in the treasure chest of uh, people who have been on the show. We've had senators on the, we've had everybody who's been the head of the Department of Corrections. We've had a governor. We've had people who walked right out of prison, came right on the radio. We actually had one gentleman who was about to go right back in, and he was on the radio show right before he went back in. But by and large, it's a group of people who support people like myself who have been incarcerated and have come out and are trying to make their lives back into our communities. So it's a good body of work, if you will, about explaining the Department of Corrections here in Idaho. Check it out. We're proud of it. And if there's anything we can do, I will let you know towards the end of the show how to reach me and you can add to that or support that in any way you like. In addition to that, we also have a PowerPoint presentation that we will come out and share with your community group, your church, your any kind of gathering. The great thing about this is that it is led by a returning citizen. So he or she will do the opening, show the PowerPoint, and then answer questions about what it's like to be incarcerated here in the state of Idaho. If you've been listening to me over the years, you know that we've kind of had some success in expanding the effort of what we do. We now have two locations. In Ada County, we're at 3217 Overland in Boise, where we attempt to get everybody who's out of incarceration come by our office the first day. We'll offer you clothing vouchers, food, links to resources, bus passes, and pretty much a wealth of experience of people who have been incarcerated and can share that process with you. We also have an office now, expanding office actually in Canyon County, which is located inside District 3's Probation and Parole Office, and that's at 3110 Cleveland Boulevard. If you're going into PNP there, just ask for St. Vincent de Paul, and they'll direct you back to our office. In addition, if you're listening to me in the desert and you need a ride from incarceration, have your case manager send me an email. We'll pick you up, take you around the first couple days if you need to, and take care of you in that way, shape, or form. I'm excited about a lot of different things coming up in the future. We've got an expanding employment program, which we're excited about. We now have three people on staff who work exclusively with getting jobs for people who are 
returning citizens, and we're excited about those programs as well as a multitude of different things that are in the hopper. So look forward to that expansion as the year progresses. I'm actually very excited about somebody that I got to meet yesterday at um, StoryFort. We're going to talk to him in just a second. Idaho has an incarceration rate of 761 to 100,000 people, including prisons, jails, immigration detention, and juvenile justice facilities, meaning that it locks up a higher percentage of its people than any democracy on earth. Compare that to the United States, 664 people per 100,000, Canada's 104 people per 100,000, and Norway's 54 people per 100,000. What about our parole system? In 2019, Prison Policy Initiative graded each of the 50 states for their parole system. Idaho received a grade of F. How do we change this? We need your involvement, and we need your story. More importantly, you must tell it. Your Christian voice can support the need to change. Reach out to us and get involved. At the end of the show, Mark will share his contact information, or you can call the radio station, KBXL 941 The Voice, and ask for links to Mark Rank. Okay, I'm pleased to uh, introduce you to a gentleman who I met yesterday for the first time. Uh, his name is David Steese. You're an author, a returning citizen, and we're here to talk about your book, 20 Years to Life, right? Yes. Thank Glad you. to be here. Thank you very much for coming. You're welcome. You want to tell us a little bit about your background and where you're from and all that kind of good stuff? Well, I'm, uh, I was born and raised in Eugene, Oregon, and mm-hmm. um, I just got released. I was incarcerated for 20 years here in Idaho. So that's that's a grip of time, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. And you've been out for how how long? You've been out? Just a couple months, two okay. months. It's got to be just like an overload of stimulation. How are you taking that? Yeah, it was it was rough at first. It was really hard to get used to, as you can imagine. But it's getting better every day. You went to like a remote area, let's say the of the mountains. Is that was that beneficial? Was that by design? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, my sister had a cabin up in the mountains, and so I paroled there. And, um, yeah, it's been beautiful. It's been great. Well, it's um, fantastic to have you here. And after, our, I mean, I did seven years, and it was difficult for me after seven years. So I just can imagine after 20, uh, the process in terms of just yeah. how you buy gas, how you do this, how you do oh. all those kinds of things. Yeah, it was overwhelming. Are yeah. the, what, are the, what are the biggest challenges so far? Uh, technology. Technology? Yeah, I just can't really get the hang of it. It's advanced so far. Well, is it is it sort of probably an easier because you're in the hills, it isn't as populated, so it isn't as sophisticated? Is that true or is that not true? Um, it, it seems sophisticated. The phones, the, uh, the yeah, the phone kills me. I, <laughs> I can't figure that thing out. Yeah. Plus, I can't imagine, too, it's like going to the store and using... Yeah. Cards to yep. pick up everything. It's Cards a, for everything. Yeah, it's crazy. Good deal. Well, like I said, it was. It's so nice to have you on here to give the perspective. What would you share uh, in terms of somebody that's about to do the exact same thing for you? How would you s- prepare somebody for that if they were given you? I'll tell you what. When um when I was getting ready for release, I was given the option to get my birth certificate and social security card and my right. ID card all squared away. And I didn't do it. Oh. And it's just been devastating for me. It's been two months now of doing the runarounds through website after website. Oh, and yeah. Sending off because I'm from Oregon. Just the whole thing. And I'm just now, it's starting to fall into place. 
I know that um, our friend Tim Lai, who used to be a reentry manager, he worked real hard on that before he retired from the Department of Corrections to put all that in place. Yeah. So that you know, I knew that was vital, but I kind of did the same thing too. When I got out, I had let my my driver's license had lapsed. And so I had to find my birth certificate, and it just delayed me for almost three months before I could get a driver's license. Yeah, it was, it was terrible. And so, okay, so that's, a, that's certainly one for those people listening to us. That, 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 that is that important. And to recognize that in some ways it isn't just uh, Tim Lay that actually did that. It's a, I'm trying to think of uh, the Lady Gentleman's Interfaith Sanctuary. Jody Peterson was one of the people who really was on the forefront of making sure that people had IDs because— she yeah. ran across that when people coming through the shelter. So she worked with legislators to make sure that that process is now inside. Right. And uh, there should be a machine at every location where they print your, at least a, um, uh, not a driver's license, but a ID card. An ID card, right. ID card. But you also didn't get the social security card either. I think that's what they're working on now. Yeah, I had none of it. Yep, I tried. So you became a writer. So tell me about 20 years to life, 20 to life. Uh, 20 to Life is a book. It started out as blogs. I was um, blogging every week from through our JPay, which is our email system. Right. I was, um, every week I'd send it out to people on the streets and they would post it on the internet. And um, I, I'd never even read a blog before. And um, so that's how it started. But uh, the idea, uh, you said, wake up one morning and say, suddenly I'm going to write this blog. How did that come about? Well, I went through a profound change in my life about 10 years ago mm-hmm. and as kind of realized as time went on that I needed to give back. I needed to find a way to use my experiences to help others. And that's, it just seemed like a good way to get my story out there and maybe impact some people who would read it. I also, it was healthy for you too, right? The yeah. process of going through it, I would assume. Yeah. And writing is very therapeutic. Right. So it had you thinking potentially about things that you'd done incorrectly, et cetera, et cetera. Right, yeah. There's one in particular, too, that we'll talk about some of the stories, but the one that I loved was the, um, what did I call it, faith? Is that a mistake or whatever I called it? About where you saw failure, failure. 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 Yeah, let's talk about failure. There's a chapter in there called Failure, a blog called Failure. Can you tell me about that one? Yeah, uh, this is, I wrote about this. It's something that happened during COVID and we were locked down and we were, um, I was like to get up in the morning early and kind of walk laps in the tier. Right. And um, I was walking laps and there was a, an older gentleman that was sitting at the table having his coffee right. and the officer came in and gave him some mail. And um, as I'm walking the laps, walking laps kind of in my own head, I notice him start to read his letter and he just started breaking down and he was crying like whatever was in the letter was horrible news and as i'm walking laps on the on the tier i wanted so bad to comfort him to reach out and put my hand on his back as i passed by but i i didn't do it and it i realized later that it's those kind of failures that are the most impactful in my life, you know? Failure to do the right thing at the right time for the right reasons, you know? Well, I think in some ways, though, it's, God, it's just brilliant the way you wrote it and the way you drew the reader in to get that and to understand what was going through your head. But it was really a growth sort of thing for you, too. I just, uh, I was so impressed by the way that must have been powerful for you. Yes, yeah, it was. I had a a similar sort of thing when I was at Max, too, and I was trying to go to come to grips with 
being this, you know, schmuck for all my life. And I was sitting on the track at the yard at Max, and people were walking around the track. And um, I was talking like a sailor would talk. And somebody turned around and looked at me and said, you know, Rennick, do you talk to God like that with that with that mouth, you know? Right. And I thought, wow, who the heck are you? But it didn't dawn on me how much I use that those words yes. all the time and how that's just a part of my normal piece. And it was so profound for me. It's like I... I don't. Yeah. I, I very limit in those words anymore. But it was that impact that kind of just reached right. up and grabbed me, kind of, and led me uh, to believe that that's not the way to deal with things. Yeah, those are great moments. Yes, yeah. and I think that's what you know we put in this earth really to figure out is some of those things. So that's why I think I'm so ex- I was so excited to meet you yesterday and yeah. to get you um, involved with some of the stuff we're doing because I think this is just really insightful. People need to understand that. Would you agree with that? Or yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you also come from uh, your six four six one four seven six, which is that's a proud number. It's an old one, kind of. I think I'm seven four nine seven five. So you've been in the system for a while. Right. You want to talk a little bit about what your crime was, and uh, it, because it has those, it's a pos- popular theme in terms of difficulty in the prisons between the different races, yeah. and that's an issue that everybody always gravitates towards. Yeah, I was uh, I was convicted of second degree murder. And um, when I walked into prison, all my life I had been, you know, since since childhood, I struggled with trauma in my childhood. And it kind of led me on a path of hate and racism mm-hmm. and violence. And so prison just, it was, it seemed to be the natural course of my life. And once I got into prison, the next step naturally was to fall into the gangs and the violence and the hatred. And I kind of excelled in that area. You know, I've I've learned that it's easy to hate yourself or hate the world when you hate yourself. And so there was a lot of hate in my life. And it's so much a part of the prison system and the prison culture and how you're drawn into it to either make those decisions very quickly or it's a prey or predator sort of situations. You really have to face that. And I don't think people understand that as well. Can you speak to that a little bit in terms of as you're coming into the system as a young person or even as an older person at that point? Right. It's difficult. And um, it's easy to fall into that. You know, for one thing, the culture is, you know, kind of sexy. You know what I mean? For lack of a better word, you know, it's real attractive to people. You know, you want to be the cool kid, you know. Right. And um, and you just get kind of caught into the prison politics. And, you know, next thing you know, you're you're into the gangs and, you know, your life is that becomes your life. It really does. I think I broke. Unfortunately, I broke in in California where racial was much more prevalent and you really had to choose. And uh, whites like me were 20% of the population. Yeah. So it was very difficult to kind of blend in, and you had to almost watch your back all the time. But here in Idaho, it's a little bit different, but it's still the same pressure to be accepted, be a part Mm -hmm. of something, or kind of you're going to go your own way. And especially if you've just gone through some event where you've, you're struggling with who you are and the events that you did that led you to prison. Right. Now you've got to learn a whole new set of rules. Is that pretty much true? Or? Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah. So, and it was difficult. It's difficult for most people. Did you see that as other people yeah. played out? Yep. I saw that. I saw it in myself and I saw it in others. Yeah. And the decision to change that came from where? Well, it was, uh, I, th- I think it was one of the moments in life where just things start lining up. You know, I um, was 
I had worked my way to the top of the prison gang I was in, mm-hmm. and we went to war with another prison gang, and we were smaller and less powerful. And as the violence ramped up, all my homeboys started dropping out around me and leaving me to, to fight it out alone. And it got me thinking, you know. It got me questioning things that I had never questioned before in my life. And I was in segregation. I was in ad seg. So I was alone, had lots of time to think and process things. And I was able to kind of trace my life back to my childhood and to my trauma I suffered as a child. And everything kind of fell into place. And I kind of realized that who I was and where I was at that moment, there was a reason for it. And suddenly, there, and, and for all the hate that I felt all my life, there was a reason for it. And so suddenly, I felt like it was all for nothing. Yep. And I started questioning things. And if you're questioning the right things, it leads to more questions and it more does. questions. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of where I was. Yeah. And so I decided I had to give, give up hate. And so I walked away from hate in my life. And once you do that, it's hard to lead a, a white supremacist prison gang. Yeah. I think you have to do that. Is Did you rely on anything else other than yourself? Was there like higher power? Was there any kind of situation like that? No. For you? It wasn't? It was no, not you. for me. It was just me processing. And so it was intellectually you were just coming to grips with that. Right. Yeah. Correct. Because for me, it was pretty much the same thing. One thing I figured, you know, I had made some promises to God that I needed to change my life. And for me, I felt, well, I'm being punished. That's why this, this, and this are happening. But it's always interesting to me if somebody makes that choice and how they go forward. Yeah. But it still puts you in that situation where you had to really think back and yeah. logically go through the whole process to figure out who you were. Yeah. Once you realize that there's whys, there's just, there's not just, you're not just who you are because that's who you are. There's reasons why there's the, you are the person you are. I realized that I didn't, I didn't want to be the man that I was for another moment. Mm-hmm. And the only way to to not be that man is to make big changes in my life. So how many how much time was left when those that first uh, realization? I still had ten years left. So that you knew you were facing something more difficult. Yeah, yeah. You made an interesting kind of tour of probably the prison system. You were in Oklahoma. You were where? Where else were you in the system? I was in uh, Max and ICC. In how much Oklahoma. time did you spend at Max? Oh, the first um, eight years was pretty much in max i was out a little bit but i'd go right back yep. yeah where else did you go um icc mm-hmm. and uh oklahoma and then my last 10 years was in orfino okay that's good so um obviously you're out you've got a book that's impressive uh you were speaking yesterday at uh story fort yeah. uh and uh, what does the department of corrections view this work of yours I they view that? Yeah, I've gotten really good feedback from the Department of Corrections. Um, the warden, Tarima Carlin, up in Orfino, mm-hmm. she really loved it, and she's really supportive. If, without her, I wouldn't have been able to write this book. Fantastic. Well, yeah. I think like it, we probably would agree that I've been out a little longer than you, I think 13 years now, so I've seen four directors, and certainly Josh is probably the most progressive, goes out of his way to think out of the box and right. to support people like you and I have been incarcerated and to include our voice in things going forward. I think that's what you'll find going forward from here on is that they will look for you to be a voice like that and to help them. So I hope you're willing to kind of work with that and change it because the system is um, needs attention. <laughs> yeah. And I think the person, the people that can 
do the best job of supporting the change is is those of us like you and I who've been incarcerated. Right, I agree. So if you're listening to us right now and you're out there kind of driving around and you're saying, hey, that sounds like me, at the end of the show, I'm gonna let you know how to get in touch with me. This is something that you need to get involved with. I think I feel a responsibility to the people who are following me out of incarceration to make things better. Right. And um, it needs to happen. And no matter how nice of a guy Josh is, no matter how nice of a guy a lady Bree Derrick is or whoever the, is in charge, which they are very nice people, they can't make that change. You and I have to do that, right. I think. And then we do that by telling our stories, just like you're doing, right? Right. I mean, because we had a really good turnout yesterday at the at the event hosted by, you know, the illustrious Mark Hilarious. Person. Hilarious and illustrious. <laughs> Smart person. Um, so uh, that was a good event and that will continue to be a good event. And he's one of those voices that stands out and kind of right. steps forward and always does that stuff. So if you're listening to us, you need to do that also. It's not it's not that hard. You're, I can't say you've been doing it very long, but you've been doing it in terms of your words. So congratulations. For yeah. You. Thank you. What's going to happen for you in the future? Well, I'm hoping to continue on when... The last few years I was in prison, I started mentoring people, doing a lot of speaking stuff. I would, uh, the warden would allow me to do, talk to college students over Zoom, stuff like this. So I'm hoping to continue that. I just want to make a difference in the world, you know? I think there are a lot of people who do that. Um, some of the people who were, like, had their convictions overturned are doing that. And um, uh, you'd be surprised how many people are doing that. So congratulations. I think that's... Yeah. That's going to be absolutely great going forward. Let's talk a little bit about Mar uh, Michael Richardson a little bit. Can okay, oh, yeah. you give him some credit for doing this? Yeah. Okay. Your thoughts on Michael? Uh, Michael is my publisher. He um, he found me through my blog, and if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have been able to write this book. He, um, he reached out to me and wanted to turn these blogs into short essays, which ended up being the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's a great guy. He's doing great things. He really is, and he kind of does... All, he never takes credit for himself. If you notice, he kind of always yeah. is in the back shadows, and you never quite ever see him or doing everything. But behind the scenes, he's really put together a nonprofit uh, that supports us. He's talking about a gallery. He's talking about all sorts of yeah. stuff. So it's not just the writing. He also teaches classes on the inside right. and is going forward with that, too. So, uh, again, this is a way to uh, support him, too. Yeah. His nonprofit is the Idaho Prison Arts Collective. That's right. Yeah. And you should all go online and kind of get on his mailing list and find out what's happening because I think it, last time I talked to him, he's looking at uh, trying to find a site actually to display art and to do some of yeah. the stuff that uh, our things are going forward. So we want to wish him support in that pain. Right. Um, let's see. Ever have plans to come back to this area? Are you going to stay up in the hills all day? I think I'll stay where I am. That's where I'm I'm more comfortable now and happier now than I have been in my life. Yep. Yeah. Family around you? Yeah. I live up there with my sister, my brother-in-law. Okay. Yeah. I'm getting to know my grandkids, trying to reconnect with my kids. Yeah. I, well, I do. I hope you continue to write and to share and to hang around Mark and um, kind of expand because uh, we really need voices like this. Uh, and it's, uh, it's important that people get involved. And I think you could be a motivator to help people get involved. It's just so, so, so important. You've lived it for 20 years. You know that Idaho is way behind the times in terms of our approach to the Department of Corrections. Yeah. And um, we need some changes. And so it happens with you and I sharing our stories. Yeah. Anything else we want to share with? 
Um, no, that's it. That's it? That's it. It still wasn't that scary, was it? No, it wasn't no, too bad. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, listen, I thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, let's try to keep in touch, and uh, I'm sure the fruits of yesterday will be uh, immense, and we'll go forward, and we'll talk to you again. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Through Jesus, there's victory. All the chains that were holding me kept me locked in captivity. Have been broken by grace so free. When He poured out His cleansing blood, motivated by His great love, give me faith I need to rise above. Sing a song of how I've overcome I've got victory over sin Bringing peace to the fight within Give me strength, I need to start again I've got victory over sin Okay, you can't imagine what it's like to do, let's see, 20 years away from everything and you come back and then all of a sudden you're on the radio and you're doing uh, shows and you're talking to people down at uh, Story Fort, which is what happened yesterday. Uh, very courageous, uh, very difficult to do. Of course, doing 20 years is courageous. If you need information about what we do or you want to get involved, it's pretty easy to reach us at www.systemicchangeofid.com. You can send me an email, systemicchangeofidaho. It's all spelled out there at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Systemic Change of ID. We're on Instagram, Systemic Change of ID. You can even call us on the phone if you want to at area code 208 Look forward to talking to you on Victory Over Sin next Saturday afternoon. Thank you.